We are in our series, Wide Awake. Who's feeding Wide Awake? Come on, you guys all slept in a bit, so you guys are the Wide Awake service. Can I get an amen? amen. The 8.30, we're a little bit sleepy, but that's okay. I know you guys are, are with me. I, I shouldn't be telling you this because it's, it's very unhealthy, but I have had Red Bull this morning, so I am hopefully wide awake. Amen. <laughs> But this week's sermon title is, we're going to be focusing on what am I doing on earth for eternity's sake? We're going to be speaking about eternity. And I'm going to be a little bit vulnerable with you guys this morning um, in a jokey way, but it's still true. I am petrified of sharks, okay? Especially great white sharks. And I do not want to meet my maker being eaten by a shark. That's just a fear that I have. I don't want to die being killed by a shark. I don't like the creatures. I think they're awful. When I get to heaven, I will ask God, why did you create sharks, especially great whites? And why would you put them in Cape Town? Like the best city in the world. We don't need great whites. Anybody else have this fear or dislike for great whites? Or we've got a few a few future great... Now that you guys, I think, the rest of you like great white sharks. I just... I, and I'll be honest with you, my kind of phobia with great white sharks uh, got even worse in 2022 because um, there was that terrible fatal shark attack in Plett, in Plettenberg Bay. Do you guys remember that? Where um, a mother of a, of a young child um, was actually killed by the great white and she was killed on the main beach at Plett. And the horrific thing was my parents were there when it happened. My dad was sitting on the beach when they pulled out her torso. And um, it was awful. And we arrived a few days later and um, because there was so much blood in the water, there were just great whites everywhere. Like, I felt like I was in a Jaws movie. Like, we were sitting in the hotel because my parent, my grandma has timeshare at Beacon Isle, so we were using Granny's timeshare. And um, we were sitting in the in like the, the coffee room, and it's all glass windows, and there were just these great whites, like six of them, like circling the flipping like hotel, and you're going, what the heck? Like, I have grown up coming to play. We would go there, we go there twice a year, and um, where that lady was taken, it was shallow, and my daughters and I, when we go there for the entire week, we'll swim where she was, we'll swim that little route from the main beach to the hotel beach twice a day. And so seeing how shallow it was and all these great whites, I said to my girls, if you so much as put your baby toe in the sea, I will put your entire body in the car and we're going straight back to Cape Town. Everyone got it. Like that, That's how I spoke to the kids. I said, if a toe goes in the sea, we are going home. There's a pool, you swim in there, you don't touch the ocean. And it's now 2024, they still haven't put a toe in the sea yet plate, we go there, we use swimming pools, that's it. Okay? Some of you might think I'm nuts. Thing is, in, in the early 2000s, I'll never forget, I loved Fishhook Beach. I loved it. Water was warm. It was a really nice place to learn to surf baby waves. And then um, in the late 2000s, I will never forget this sweet old granny. I mean, I never met her, but I assume she was sweet because most old grannies are. She would go swimming in the bay at Fishhook every morning. She would do her swim and she would wear a red swimming cap. 
And one day, somebody witnessed her just being taken by this great white shark, and all that was left was the red swimming cap. Who knows that I haven't put my baby toe in Fisher Beach since the late 2000s, and I don't think I ever will. Now, some of you, I mean, you've got looks on your faces. I think some of you think I'm a bit unhinged or crazy. Maybe some of you agree with me. I don't know. If you do think I'm a little bit nuts, this, this might support your, uh, your, your, your line of thinking. Because here are some crazy stats, but true stats, on death by shark attacks. Okay. So, statistically, you are more likely to die from being hit in the head by a champagne cork than you are to die by a shark attack. You'd think it would make me feel better. Hey, it doesn't. These are real stats. You are statistically more likely to die being hit on the head by a coconut falling on you than you are to die by a shark attack. This one is probably the funniest, but it's true. It's legit true. You can Google it. Not right now, please. You are even more likely to die as a result of bad handwriting than you are to die by a shark attack. Okay, stick with me for a second. Anybody here got a doctor with a shocking handwriting? I am a medical doctor. At 8 o'clock, my handwriting is very legible. By 5 p.m., it's just a scribble, okay? So this is a real stat. They say way more people have died because doctors' handwriting has been illegible and the pharmacist has dispensed the wrong medication which has killed them than people have died from a shark attack. Puts things in perspective, eh? You guys are all going to be like triple-checking your, your scripts with the pharmacist. But the point is, I'm still not putting my toe in Fisher Beach or Plitt. I'm just saying. Uh, you might be going, Leanne, why on earth do we have to talk about death on a Sunday morning? Can we not talk about positive things? Listen, yeah, I don't want to talk about death either. But if we're going to talk about eternity, we have to go there, don't we? This might make you feel a little bit better if, you don't, if you're not enjoying this subject. One day, yes, your physical body will cease to exist, but your soul, which is the part of you that lives forever, your soul will never cease to exist. You will live eternally somewhere forever. Agreed? Does it make you feel a bit better? I hope so. Okay, but we're going to dig deeper. This is what Scripture says, the Bible, the authority on all matters, not Google, is not the authority on all matters. I have to laugh being a doctor. Jeesh. Some of the stuff that patients will come up with that they read on Google, and I'm like, that's the danger where anyone can write anything. I always say it's the crazy Americans, and then we read it and we think it's true. Hey. Okay, this is not Google, this is the Bible. Here we go, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 1. For we know that when this earthly tent, in other words, that's a metaphor for our bodies, we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God Himself and not by human hands. We grow weary in our present bodies. Who grows weary from time to time? Where's all the moms doing all the driving? Just me. I got a few there. There we go. We get weary in our present bodies and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. For we will put on our heavenly bodies 
and we will not, and we, sorry, we will not want, uh, sorry man, I'm skipping a line, for we will put on heavenly bodies, we will not be spirits without bodies. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and we sigh, but it's not that we want to get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. That's actually a cool way of looking at it. We are swallowed up by life when our bodies give in. Verse six says, so we are always confident. Why are we confident? So we're always confident, even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we are not at home with the Lord. Yes, we are fully confident and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies for then we will be at home with the Lord. I love another translation of verse eight, which says, we're confident because when we are absent from the body, it's to be present with the Lord. That's a beautiful, reassuring scripture. The minute we're absent from our earthly bodies as Christians, we are present with the Lord. So we've been talking for the last couple of weeks, what's our goal? Why do we exist? Why do we need to be wide awake? What's our assignment in our earthly bodies? And verse nine explains it to us. It says, whether we're here in this body or away from this body, our goal is, what do you think? Is the scripture up? You guys are reading it. You know what it doesn't say, but what we often, we often get caught up in, we often think our goal is. We think our goal is to accumulate as much money as we can, to maybe be a millionaire, or if you're Bruno Mars, a billionaire. Why does no one know that song? <laughs> I, loved, I loved that song. I used to always sing it in my award rounds, and I used to think the patients must think I'm awful, like in my government days, but it's a, it's a catchy song. Anyway, I digress to become famous on YouTube, to become a famous singer. I tell my daughter all the time, God, because she's got quite a voice on her. Uh, the, trust me, the, the three houses down on either side of us all have heard her voice. She sings in the garden a lot. But I think she has a beautiful voice. I'm her mother, so I'm biased. But I tell her all the time, your, your voice was not given to you so you can become YouTube famous. It's to please God. Our goal is not to get a record amount of posts on our latest Instagram picture that we have the perfect filter and the catchy caption. That's not what it's all about. You guys all read it. Our goal is to please Christ, always. Our goal is to live for Him, to actually live a life that counts for eternity. My Instagram count and my YouTube page count nothing for eternity. I can't take my billions with me to heaven. All the stuff I store up, it's not got any eternal value. And in verse 10, Paul says, we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We're gonna talk about this a bit later. And we will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or the evil we've done in this earthly body. Ultimately, we need to remember whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please Christ. 
Why am I harping on about this? Why are we talking about being wide awake in 2024? Why am I going to talk to you guys about eternity for the next couple of minutes? If you remember anything I say, please listen to me now. And I pray you remember more than just this. But I want you to please, if you grasp anything, grasp this. What you and I believe about eternity will determine how we live today. What you and I believe about eternity will determine how we live today. It will direct our choices, our steps, our words, our actions. Hear me, church. If you believe that you're an accident, created accidentally and randomly and that there is no God, no eternity, you are going to live a selfish life, a life driven for the pleasures of just this world. You're going to take whatever you can out of this world. You're going to squeeze it. You're going to store up things. And you're going to do very little that has an eternal value. But if in turn you believe that you were created by God, for God, on purpose, for a purpose, for His glory, you're going to live with eternity in mind. You're going to do things on this earth that have an eternal significance. What you believe about eternity will determine how you live today. I believe many of you are here because you have a view on eternity. That's why you're not sleeping in on Sunday morning or cuddling under the blankets watching Netflix. It's the truth. If we don't have a grasp of the fact that you and I, we are not physical beings. We are spiritual beings. We are having a very, very short, temporary physical experience here on planet Earth. And then we will live for eternity in heaven with the consequences of how we lived our life on Earth. And it's a sobering thought, but it changes the way we use our time on earth. Amen? What we believe about eternity will determine how we live today. And the truth of the matter is you will live somewhere in eternity. Your body will cease to exist at some point, but your soul will continue to live either in heaven or in hell. Now, it's not a fun topic to talk about, but we have to talk about it because it's real. Is heaven a real place? Yes, it is. Whether you believe it or not, it's a real place. Is hell a real place? A lot of people answer, sure. Unfortunately, it is. Statistics are very interesting. These are American statistics. They may or may not be from Google. 70% of all Americans believe in heaven. Okay, that's quite a high percentage. But of those 74%, only four out of 10 believe that there's a place called hell. So basically, people are very open to the thought of this eternal paradise, but they're not so open to the thought of a place called hell. And they did a study where they asked the general public who thought that they were likely to go to hell. And basically, 0.5% who believed that there was a hell 
believed that they would actually go there. Are you guys following me? So way more people are willing to believe in heaven, way less people believe in hell, and even less believe that they would actually go there. So the thinking is, you know what? Yeah, there, there might be a hell. I'm not so sure. There's definitely a heaven. There might be a hell. But if there is a hell, I sure as heck am not going there. The only ones that are going there are the serial killers, the terrorists, the rapists, the mass murderers, the rest of us, we're going to be okay. That's what statistics show us. Now, Jesus says something otherwise. This is a sobering scripture, but I have to share it with you. It's in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 17, verse 13. Jesus says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. In other words, there's a lot of people that are probably on the wrong path. Then he said, but small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. That is a very sobering scripture. Now, I want to read to you guys what Pastor Craig Rochelle says about this. Why are people so much more willing to believe in heaven than they are in hell? Listen to what he has to say. I think it's very interesting. He says, if I were the devil, this is Pastor Craig Rochelle, what would my strategy be? I think if I were the devil, I would try to convince you that there is no hell. And if there is a hell, not to take it seriously. And let's believe that most people would not be going there. He says, if I were the devil, I would, and if I could convince you of that, then you probably would live your life however you wanted to. And you would justify your sin and you would reject Christ. You would live with no real fear of God. If you're a follower of Christ and I could convince you that hell isn't real or not that important anyway, you would live a ridiculously self-centered life as a Christian. You would be very likely to idolize comfort and you'd fall in love with the things of this world. You would reject self-sacrifice. You would avoid persecution at all costs. You would have no spiritual urgency and you would be very unlikely to share your faith with a lot of people. If I were the devil, I would probably try to convince you there is no hell, and that if there is a hell, let's not take it seriously. Church, does that make sense? It's a pretty clever strategy, isn't it? Unfortunately, hell is real. And you and I have one life on this earth to make an impact, to take as many people to heaven with us as possible. You'll hear us say it a lot in this church. We want to see heaven filled and hell emptied. We want to be wide awake because that's our mandate. Amen? Just quickly, 
there are three things that happen immediately after this life that we need to be aware of. And the first one is that our physical bodies die. And we've spoken about that. We've read it in the scriptures. Hebrews 9 verse 27, it says, just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment. So we understand firstly, your physical body dies. The second thing that happens after death is that our soul separates from our physical bodies, okay? So you might have a funeral, be buried or cremated, your physical body stays on earth, but our souls continue to live and they go either to heaven or to hell. Jesus said in Matthew 10 verse 28, don't be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of those who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Okay? Jesus is saying after you die, yes, your physical body dies, but your soul is separated and it will live for eternity. We see it again in the story of Lazarus. He was Martha's brother. He's dead. He's been dead for four days. And... Martha is so upset that Jesus would let him die. And while she's talking to Jesus, he says this. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. He's saying if you're a child of God, your soul will live forever in heaven. He's saying, you get to be with me. You get to be with Jesus for eternity. We also see this when Jesus is hanging on the cross between these two criminals. And remember, the cross was reserved for the worst kind of criminals. If you were hung on a cross, you were a really bad person. And Jesus is on the cross in between these two criminals, the ones tuning Him. Oh, what kind of king are you? You know, if you're a God, why can't you get yourself off the cross? He's making fun of Jesus. And the other criminal realizes that he needs some help. And he cries out, Jesus, remember me. When you come into your kingdom, remember me. And by the grace of Jesus, not by His good works, not because He did anything to make Himself right with God, He was stuck on a cross. He couldn't do any good do deeds. He couldn't, he couldn't do anything to earn His salvation. But just because of the grace of God and because He professed that Jesus was Lord, Jesus said, truly I tell you this, today when your body ceases to exist, you will be with me in paradise today. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. And what an example of the grace of God. We're gonna talk about that more, but what an example of the grace of God. We're saved early by the grace of God. Number three, we will all face judgment. That's the third thing that happens after we die. 1 Peter 1 verse 7, it says, Remember that our heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favourites. He will judge or reward. There's two types of judgments. The first one is called the great white throne judgment. You can read about it in Revelation 20 verse 11. But basically, we've got um, John and he's on the Isle of Patmos and he has this vision from the Holy Spirit. And basically he says, he sees 
Oh, let me just read it. He says, this is what I saw. I saw I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. The earth and the sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were opened, including the book of life. And anyone's name who was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. What is the lake of fire? That is hell. What is the book of life? The book of life is where your name goes when you acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God and that He went to the cross to pay the price for your sins. Once you've acknowledged that He's your Saviour, that He paid the price for your sins, that He died in your place, the Bible says your name is written in the book of life. You should be grateful. We should be grateful. Church, I'm reminded every day, I wouldn't get to go to heaven if it wasn't for Jesus' sacrifice. I'm not good enough in my own strength. I am a sinner. I am imperfect. But remember, when Jesus came to earth as a sacrificial lamb, He lived a perfect sinless life and then He let Himself die on that cross. He could have gone off the cross so easily. He chose to die in our place. The Bible says we get to put on His cloak of righteousness. I get to stand here with His cloak of righteousness. And I like to think about it as like an invisibility cloak where you put the cloak on and your sin becomes invisible. So when God looks at me, He doesn't see my sin. He sees the sinless, spotless record of Jesus because Jesus lived a sinless life, died in my place. I've declared He's my Lord and I get to wear His cloak of righteousness. And that's why I get to go to heaven because Jesus paid the price. Not because I'm a good person. Not because I I do all these good things. See, here's 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 the trick though. I'm grateful. I'm so grateful for Jesus' sacrifice that I've fallen in love with Him. And so I want to make Him happy. I want to do good things. I mess up and I'm not perfect, but I want to make Him proud. And I know that He loves people. So I wanna love people. I know that He wants to see heaven populated. So I want to see heaven populated. Not because I'm trying to earn myself a place in heaven, because I'm trying to make my God proud of me. The second judgment. I want to to say this quickly first. Talking about the, the book of life. Matthew 7, verse 20. Verse 21, it says, this is a very sobering scripture, but we have to read scriptures like this. And Jesus says, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and we cast out demons and we performed many miracles in your name. In our kind of language, it might be, God, I came to church every, every, every Christmas. I came to church every Easter. I was there. Or God, I even gave to vulnerable people. I gave money to beggars. I tried to be a good person. God, I never killed anyone. God, I paid my taxes. 
I even helped my neighbour with her shopping. God, I, I'm, I was a good person. Verse 23, Jesus says, I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. This is a hectic piece of Scripture, but God is saying, you and I weren't in a relationship. I never knew you. Church, hear me today. It's not enough to know about God. You need to know God. The Bible says even the demons know about God. The demons tremble at the name of Jesus. They are terrified of Him. They know about Him, but they don't know Him personally. They aren't in a relationship with Him. They don't walk with Him every day. God's saying, once you give your life to me, you need to be in a relationship with me. You need to know me. And if you know me, then after the first judgment, you get to go to heaven. If you don't know me, unfortunately, you don't. And then you go to the second part of judgment. This is reserved for Christians. It's called the judgment seat of Christ. Paul's talking to the Corinthians. They were all Christians. And he says, those of you who are followers of Christ must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And this is where you get rewards for being my ambassador. Now you might go, Leanne, you are confusing me or you are very confused. You just said we're not saved by works. Remember, this is God saying, thank you. It's, it's, it's not what earns your salvation. Knowing that Jesus died in your place and declaring that He's Lord and getting into a relationship with Him is what gets you into heaven. Then at the second judgment, He goes, thank you for loving me. And because you love me, you love my people. So what kind of things does He reward or judge you for? I'm going to give you examples. He says, you'll be judged and rewarded for how you treat people, how you cared for the least of these, how you cared for the outcast, the poor. You'll be judged for the words you speak. You'll be judged by how you endured suffering and rewarded if you endured suffering well. You'll be rewarded and judged for what you did with what you have. How did you use your resources? Were you a blessing or did you hoard everything for yourself? Did you use your resources to build God's kingdom or did you just store up things on earth that, that rust, rust and must destroy? You'll be rewarded for whether you brought people to Christ, whether you prayed for people, whether you invited them. The Bible actually says that there's a special reward for people who helped people get saved, who helped souls get one. Just imagine that your life is over, everything you've accumulated on earth, you've left behind, it's just you before God and you're standing before God, you fall to your knees and He takes out a crown and He puts it on your head and He says, well done, my good and faithful servant. 
Well done for serving at Kids Church every Sunday. You didn't realize what a difference you were making, but there's so many kids that are coming to heaven because you served, you were faithful, you prayed with them, you led them to Jesus. Well done, my good and faithful servant. In your office, you were so aware that there were not many Christians. And even though they made fun of you, you stuck to your morals and you prayed. I saw you in the private place with your prayer list, praying over their names, inviting them to church, being faithful, not caring if they rolled their eyes, being persistent, living for eternity. I noticed that even though you didn't have a lot, you always tithe, you always faithful, you always generous. say to some of you, you visited me when I was in prison. You comforted me when I was sick. You gave me food when I was hungry. You gave me water when I was thirsty. And you'll be so confused. Jesus, when did I do that? The Bible says, He will say, you did that to me when you did it for the least of these. That's what the second judgment is about. God saying, thank you for loving me and loving who I love, which is people. thing is the longer we're on earth, let's just be honest, the longer we're on earth, the deeper our roots go, right? And the easier it is to get caught up with the things of this world, getting degrees and houses and money and positions and YouTube followers and everything else. Come on guys, it's consuming. It's easy to get consumed with the things of the world. But we want to encourage you. I'm encouraging myself in 2024, let's be wide awake. There are people in our offices that need Jesus. There are family members living around the world that you don't get to see who need Jesus. Pray for them. Send them an email. Send them a scripture. Do whatever you can to populate heaven and see hell emptied. I'm going to ask you just to close your eyes for a moment. I just want you to think about your life because eternity is real and we've got one chance to live a life that makes an impact on eternity. I want you to think about your life. Think about your focus. Think about your roots. You might be going, Leanne, I am a follower of Jesus, but I think my roots have got deeper and deeper into this world and I'm so focused on what I can get out of this world and I want to break it. Right now, I want you just to talk to God and say, God, help me to be focused on eternity. Help me to see where I can make a difference, how I can be a blessing, how I can see heaven populated and hell emptied. Speak to me, wake me up, Jesus. Just speak to Him right now. I wanna be wide awake. I want to be wide awake. I don't want to miss out on where you've placed me and why you've placed me there. Just as we stay in this attitude of worship, every head bowed. Church, I want to make one thing very clear this morning. What draws us to God? It's His love and His kindness. We don't get drawn to God out of fear of burning in hell. That's a terrible reason to come to God. It's a reality, but it should never be the strongest pull to God. 
our pull to God should be His loving kindness, His grace, His goodness. The fact that He keeps track of the amount of hairs you have on your head. The, the fact that God loves you so much, we sang about it, that He couldn't bear the thought of an eternity without you. So we sent His one and only Son to make a way. That love should draw you to God. Not fear, love. Because His love is always stronger. His love is always greater. His love is the most real thing. You will ever experience it. But you're only gonna experience it if you get into a relationship with Him. I can't experience my husband's love just by knowing about Him. I need to be in a relationship with Him. Some of you are here this morning and you know that you come to church and you know about Jesus, but you don't know Jesus personally. I wanna give you an opportunity because you are missing out. There's nothing like His love. There's nothing like knowing that He's holding you by the hand every day, that He's called you, that He's gone before you. So with every head bowed out of respect, if you're saying, Leanne, I need to get into a relationship with Jesus. I know about Him, but I don't really know Him, but I wanna get to know Him. I wanna fall in love with Him. Maybe you were there a long time ago, but you've drifted. With every head bowed out of respect, I'm gonna ask you to boldly put up your hand. And the reason why I always do this is because Jesus actually says, if you will stand up before me in front of men, I'll stand up before you in front of my Father in heaven. So with every head bowed out of respect, I just wanna pray for you. So I'm gonna count to three and ask you to raise your hand. One, God still loved the world. Two, that He gave His one and only Son. Three, you can put up your hand if you wanna get in. I see that hand, that's awesome. You wanna get into a relationship with Jesus. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. That's awesome. I see that hand. I see that hand. Just keep it up high so I can see it. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. That's awesome. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Come on, that's incredible. There's hands going up everywhere. Don't miss out. It's the best decision I ever made. There's a God who loves you so much and He wants you to be driven by that love. Church, can I ask us, can we pray together? We're in this together as a family. Will you repeat after me, everyone? Is that good? Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross and paying the price for my sins so I can be righteous. Today, I repent of my sins and I ask you, Jesus, to be Lord of my life. I want to know You. I want to walk with You. I want to fall in love with You. I thank You that the Bible says that You love me and You care about me and You've got great plans for my life. And that from now on, in Jesus' Name, I am Yours and You are Mine. Amen. Come on, let's give God some praise. The whole of heaven has a party when one person prays that prayer. I love the picture that the whole of heaven goes nuts because one person prays that prayer. All the people that went before us are having a party right now. Just wanna remind you, you've hit a spiritual home run. If you play baseball and you hit a home run and you stop at first base, everyone will think you're crazy, right? 
When you hit a home run, you run all the bases. You hit a spiritual home run by praying that prayer, run all the bases. Speak to someone, pray with someone, join a view group, get a Bible, get a, get download the, the Uversion Bible app. But don't just do this half in, half out. Go all in. Amen.